Hi, thank you for joining Barbara Roberts and I on our podcast. Today we'll be sharing some highlights and insights learned from the book, Literacy and the Youngest Learner, authored by V. Susan Bennett Armistad, Nell Duke, and Annie Moses. Barbara, can you please tell us what is the essential message in Literacy and the Youngest Learner? Well, fostering children's attention to literacy, their motivation, and enjoyment of literacy is just as important as teaching them the alphabetic principle. Learning to read represents the weaving together of multiple skills and orientations. Children who have experienced rich literacy environments have developed skills, understandings, and orientations have less difficulties in reading instruction in the primary grades. So what does literacy not look like in a preschool? Well, that's pretty easy. Worksheets, <laughs> small groups that focus on drill and skill, long extended whole group times and stations where the children have to rotate to every 20 minutes. Okay, so keeping that in mind, what does literacy look like in a preschool? In a preschool classroom, literacy is infused into the whole day, and I love that word infused, making it appropriate in order to create a solid foundation. This means in every center, in every curriculum area, in every lesson, this is overkill, in every transition, in every song, literacy is present. There is not an actual English language arts block of time. So in this book, there actually is a daily schedule. And in the scholastic uh, professional learning for early literacy, environment, dramatic play and centers, participants in this PL star and underline where literacy takes place. When they are finished with this activity, there are stars and underlines throughout that daily schedule. Great. And so you use the word overkill there. And I really, I don't, it's overkill. I think it's um, a point in making that literacy, like you said, is just infused throughout the whole day. And that's so important to, to keep that in mind. Absolutely. So can you share what an area of literacy development looks like? Well, one that's often overlooked is oral language. Talk matters a lot. Children who can tell a story will be able to write a story. Turn and talk, pair share, meet and e-share, and all those are essential tools to enable more children to orally participate. And when rich vocabulary is present and teachers intentionally include quick definitions in shared reading and use those words throughout the day or the week, children naturally pick up on the meaning. So for example, one day I was talking about the weather and I shared that it was frigid. A few days later, I asked the children to tell me about the weather and I will never forget Ivory. He said, it's frigid outside. Awesome. And was it a frigid day that day? That I Absolutely, he used it correctly. <laughs> That's great. And that's a big word for a preschool student to use. It is. And it's so fun to hear that come back to you. And I think as soon as you start 
doing this and tune into that that use of vocabulary you mm-hmm. when you you will hear the children using it and you will be very excited that you have built their vocabulary yeah that it has to be very rewarding i think so Talk to me a little bit then, you know, maybe Ivory as an example too, but it's the children who enter school with a strong phonological awareness, um, they become better readers later on. So for those who don't have that awareness, what activities are appropriate? Well, transition times are a wonderful time to put children on the road to these skills. And there's always transition times. Playing with names like as they're lining up, stretching them. Olivia. Or counting the beats. Connor. Or line up if your name rhymes with miss. These are engaging and instructional. And adding songs like apples and bananas, which is people, so on. Willoughby, wallaby, woo or even singing happy birthday and substitute an L or whatever letter you might be focusing on that day in the song. So it becomes instead of happy birthday, Labby birthday to you encourages the children to play with sounds and words and they start doing it too. They think it's really silly and preschoolers love silly. Absolutely. And then they go home singing those songs as well and oftentimes try to imitate their teacher. So those things then get carried on. Um, They absolutely do. So how does the dramatic play support literacy? You know, again, in the Scholastic PL uh, that's, that's out there, Environment Dramatic Play and Centers, it really focuses on this and it draws from this book. It is effective in supporting literacy if it's built on the children's interest. And many times this is possible. When you follow the children's lead, which could be guided by choosing the right book, literacy is naturally infused into the play. So example of this, one day I read Clifford's birthday. Then I looked over at dramatic play and the children put the Clifford puppet into the doll's high chair and said they were gonna have a birthday party for Clifford. So I asked them what they would need for the party. The conversation resulted in making birthday cards, a sign, invitations, placemats. We had to make a grocery list and a birthday crown for Clifford with his name on it. So many examples of adding words and literacy. So this is an example of a child led but teacher guided literacy lesson adding the following dramatic play and modeling its use, like a calendar appointment book, grocery store ads, a pad of paper for grocery lists, good housekeeping and other light magazines, a recipe book, and certainly trade books to go along with the theme will naturally build that literacy. Absolutely, and then they're also getting real world examples of where they see literacy every day. And they say that when they see children see their parents reading and writing, and this is in also in Nell Duke's um, Engaging Families and Children's Literacy Development in that whole wonderful kit, it, it shows that. It gives many 
different ideas to parents to to model literacy themselves just by doing it. So in, when you first started answering that question, you talked about choosing the right book. What advice do you have for um, like preschool teachers or early childhood teachers in choosing the right book? Well, first of all, really tune into if the pictures match the words, if they're rich pictures that tell the story. And if you can pick out those great vocabulary words and you really don't realize how simple those words that you might think are ordinary are really complex to the children. So just tune into that. Look for those tier two words, those just at that uh, cusp of difficulty. And then use those words, like I said, throughout the week. But definitely, <laughs> I wouldn't choose anything that's um, something that's commercial. How's that? I want to be politically correct here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so how, um, so you talked a little bit about the reading then. So what do the authors in the book say about writing in preschool? Well, they share the importance of having a writing center and writing materials in many centers with words of current interest. And you can put pictures with them on cards. So many times children come and say, how do you spell this? Well, we want them to experiment on their own and write the sounds they hear, but they also need good models and they need to be independent. That's why the pictures would be on the cards with the words. Also, if the teacher notices what the author does and, and just says, oh, look what this author does, they will get ideas to write. So examples of this are the speech bubbles in the pigeon books. Children will start to use some speech bubbles. And the words in the book, like the Llama Llama books that have the large print when the character Llama Llama is yelling, they'll make, they will print bigger words then. They can be guided to notice that Eric Carle writes books about animals who act like people. And Ezra Jack Keats writes books about children who are like them. So I could go on and on about authors, but, but if they notice what different authors do, like the piggy books, goodness gracious, and how they're friends and how you could write a book about friends. So, but really important is that their approximations need to be honored. Don't get all hung up on having them spell it correctly or write it correctly. They can read their own writing. They need to get their thoughts down. And even when it may look to us like random letters or squiggles, they can read it. You don't have to write on their writing. Yes, they can. They can. And part of the pleasure is asking them to read what they're writing to you. I think as a parent and as a formal te former teacher. Right? <laughs> right, right. So you've shared a lot of great insight and, um, and things that have been mentioned throughout the book and from your own experiences. Um, anything else that should be noted in the book? Well, literacy is everywhere and it's in every subject area. It's, and the authors point this out, it's in taking a walk outdoors to read signs in the neighborhood and drawing and writing about field trips 
or taking books outdoors and having an outdoor book picnic. Read alouds outdoors, sidewalk chalk. It's just crazy when you start thinking about it. In the classroom environment, there can be text to support their classroom procedures and classroom signs like throw trash here on a garbage can. That's another idea to have for literacy. A class schedule with pictures, book bins with the labels, post-it children's work, and shared writing. These are all examples of literacy being everywhere in a classroom. Great. Thank you so much, Barbara, for being willing to um, do this podcast with me today. And thank you to all those that listened. Um, You will follow up with your foundational literacy certification. And we appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.